Well, as many of you know, this um, concludes our For the Kids campaign. Uh, This is our last Sunday, our Commitment Sunday. And so as a good reminder for us about what all of this is about, uh, Andy and I uh, believe that the Lord led us to this psalm uh, because it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Uh, It's never been about anything else than that in the first place. So together, let's remember these good words uh, from the hymn book uh, of the people of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. We are the Bluets. I'm Tammy. I'm Bailey. I'm Megan. I'm Ashton. I'm Addison. And this is Henry. We started coming to Acts 2. Actually, Megan and Bailey started going to cross training when they were in elementary school. And then um, we decided that it's something we probably should do. We were kind of the Easter people. And we were coming to church, and it wasn't Easter. And the girls were like, where's our Easter baskets? And we're like, um, this is a problem. <laughs> we need to come to church more often. <laughs> I think what's really kept us coming is I just feel like that this is where our home is. This is, I just feel like that the church is always there when we need them. I think Mark's sermons always talk to me. I just feel like he always follows what God's wanting him to follow. I just feel like the church is going in the direction that meets our family's needs. I think that The church has really shaped me to be the person I am. I've never really, I don't remember a time not coming, and so I don't know who I would be without Pastor Mark and Chantel and everyone that has helped me become the person I am today. Because they like, like, if we're out of town or if we're doing something and we miss church, it's like a big deal. Like, they hate missing church. They look forward every week. Go, oh, is it Sunday? Oh, we don't have school today. Are we going to church? Like, if they're on break, they're like, is it Sunday? I'm like, no, not yet. So, got a couple days. Like, they really look forward to coming here. If X2 could provide a dedicated space for the children and for the youth, it would be my biggest hope. I just think it's one of the most important things, especially for them and for little babies. I mean, I just. I think they need a place that they can feel safe and learn about God and interact with people that have the same beliefs and trust um, to learn and grow. Um, The lady on the right, Bailey, um, I met when she was three. She was in a stroller uh, and they were pushing her up to the entrance of Cheyenne Middle School down the road. That's when I met Miss Bailey. And so um, I'm always thrilled to get to see uh, those. And so when Bailey says she's never really known life without the church, she means it. Um, because that's, that's all she's ever known. It's made a wonderful difference in her life. Um, they made a reference to something called cross-training. You may not have heard that uh, in the last 10 years around here. We used to do a thing on Wednesday afternoons right after school for a number of hours where we uh, played and taught with the kids. It was kind of Bible school-esque, if you will. Um, and we did that over at a little uh, Disciples of Christ church that we were renting. Uh, they didn't need it on Wednesday afternoons, and so we did that. And it was a great, great time. We called it cross-training. And so from the very beginning days of the church, back in 99 and 2000, uh, we've had this focus on kids. 
uh, on youth and, and their families um, because we know that what happens in those first early years are so important and set the trajectory for the rest of people's lives. You think about um, even a 2 or 3% change in someone's life over time. At the beginning, it seems very small, but by the end of their life, it's wildly different. And just those small changes for the youngest among us. So um, we conclude with our building for the kids. That's what we're, we believe God has called us to do. Uh, but of course, we don't build on our own. We build in God's power by God's strength and what God wants us to do. That's what we're talking about. So in many ways, this is a family conversation. But the larger ideas of what I'll be talking about today are, are true for all of us. So uh, at the close of our um, time, uh, we'll have a moment for you to bring up your commitment card. If you've already done that, we invite you to, to bring up a blank one um, or sign your name so that we know what that is. So we can show our commitments. If this is your first time here and we're not your church home, uh, we hope you'll enjoy the service. And when it comes to that point, um, don't feel any pressure to do that because you're like, what did I just walk into? That's okay. Um, we, we haven't done this piece uh, for eight years. So, um, you know, if you come back eight years from now, we might do it again. But, you know, it, it doesn't happen each week here. So don't let that uh, scare you off. So if you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take those out. Um, and we're going to remember together some of the things that we've been learning. First of all, sacrifice is giving up something of value. And, and is that good? Yes, that's good. So say good with me. Good for something of greater value, which is, say it with me, better. So a, a different way of saying this is that we're going to give up something good now for something greater later. Right? We're going to give up something good now for something greater later. Will you say greater later with me? Greater later. That's what we're looking for. Greater later. And we know that from young ones who are three and four years old, if they can learn this precept, if they can learn this, if they can live their life for something greater later, it changes everything for them. The little ones who cannot do greater later have a very hard life. Impulse control, it is highly underrated. Think about that. Some of the worst things that happen in your life happen because of a lack of impulse control, a lack of the ability to do greater later. That's what we're talking about. This sacrifice of giving up something good today for something greater later. And the reason this is so important, not just for us as a church, but for the community, for the world, is that 94% of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ do so before their 18th birthday. So around here, when somebody over 18 decides to be baptized, decides to give their life to Christ, we make that a big deal. You can be baptized here any Sunday, uh, any Sunday, Easter, Christmas Eve, whatever it is, we will baptize you, you because it's such a huge thing, because... In single digits, this happens, right? Only 6% of people over 18 ever give their life to Jesus. Isn't that astounding when you think about it? If we don't have the ability to reach and care and love and and ingrain the love of God in our little ones, it's not likely to happen at all, at all. And so this work with children is something that we're committed to. In our ordination service um, as United Methodists, one of the questions that our founder, John Wesley, had all the way back in the 1700s was this. Will you diligently work with the children? Will you go house to house? And the correct answer is yes. Yes, of course. But sometimes what you find is that working with children is, well, how should I say it? Inconvenient particularly as you get older. It just isn't something that I wake up in the morning and go, I wish I could clean spit up from an 18-month-old. As you get older, these things kind of, you're like, no, not so much, you know. Yet, it is still our calling when it's joyful, when it's not joyful, when it's easy, when it's hard, all the same time. 
Uh, not long ago, actually on April 6th, um, God called me um, to meet Joetta and Jared. Uh, Joetta was our former uh, children's director, wonderful lady. I'll be talking more about her through the service. Jared is our uh, full-time youth director as of this week. And we met at the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association, in case you didn't know that's what that meant. And, and the, remember that date, Friday, April 6th. Why would that be significant in my life? Does anybody remember when Easter was? April 1st, the Sunday before. This is the Friday I'd been looking forward to my day off for about eight weeks. This is the day that I was going to sleep and rest and do nothing else. And then our daughter church pastor, Adam, called me up and he said, we have all these thousands of kids across Edmond that have no place to go and no one to watch them. And the YMCA is overrun with all these kids. Um, Connect, our our daughter church, which is less than half our size across town, we're going to go on Wednesday. And I've talked to people at First Methodist into going on Thursday. Can you take Friday? I was like, I should not have answered the phone. (laughs) And so we signed up for Friday. You see how tired we are? Jared has a big face. He took the, the, um, you know, the selfie for us. And there we were on, on Friday uh, working with these students um, who had no place to go because of the teacher walkout. And so we showed up to work with them. Joetta was a champ. She had been an educator for years, and she was ready to go. Uh, Jared was finishing up his degree, and, um, and I was just tired. And, th- and this is the reality. I want you to know that I, f- I feel you when we come to these things. I mean, I understand it. There, this week, uh, Chantal and I did some studying uh, at an academic conference, and one of the, the breakout sessions we looked at was compassion fatigue. Will you say that with me? Compassion fatigue. It's a very real thing, and, it, and it's getting worse and worse. Um, people are becoming more anxious, more depressed, and partly because of the amount of terrible information that can come to you at any moment in real time that's not edited, that's not thoughtful, that's not careful. And we can become flooded with all the sorts of tragedies that happen all around us all the time. Certainly as pastors, we really have to look at this. And compassion fatigue is an indifference that happens to charitable appeals of all kinds. Uh, On behalf of those who are suffering, experienced as a result of the frequency or number of such appeals. And I know this happens to you. It happens to me. Uh, If I were to go through the mail, I would have things from Compassion International and the Regional Food Bank and the SPCA and foster care, and, and maybe that happens to you. If you go on Facebook, you've got friends. It's no longer okay to just wish somebody a happy birthday. Now you have to give to something that they want you to give to. Have you noticed that? I'm a happy birthday, no, right? It's, it's just, you can just become overwhelmed with all that's asked of us. And I want you to know that's not what God has for you. God has something better for you. And, and, and not to overstate it, it's called focus. Where God calls you to a few things, fewer, better things, for greater later. We, none of us can do everything. And, and, and any of the things that I listed are not bad things. They're all great things. Not, nothing wrong with any of those things. But God calls us at particular times and particular moments to focus to do what the Lord is asking us to do. And so the scripture says it like this. Unless the Lord builds the house. We can't do everything. We can't do everything everybody asks of us. Of course not. And those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city. Right? The guard keeps watching in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of what kind of toil? Anxious toil. Have you ever had that day where all day you kind of woke up stressed and you worked and worked and worked and, and then you went to bed stressed and you woke up stressed again? That's not how your life is intended to be. That's not the life God has for you. 
right? Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it how? Abundantly to the full. He's the prince of peace, not the peace, prince of chaos, not the prince of anxious toil. And then it says this, and this is interesting. If, if you read it in the NRSV, it says, for he gives sleep to his beloved. A better translation that's in the footnote is this, for God gives to you even while you sleep. Isn't that true? That overnight we got rain that we did not create. Overnight you were renewed. Overnight you could dream dreams or have visions of a new life that God has for you. Even while you sleep, God gives to his beloved. It's not about your merit. It's about God's goodness. Never forget that, friends, that God is with you and God is ready to do a new and wonderful thing. In Ephesians 3, it says more than you can possibly think or even imagine. Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. But that immeasurably more only comes unless the Lord. Right? It's not just whatever you think. It's not just whatever I think. It's not just whatever a few people get together and think. Unless it's the Lord, it is what? In vain. And it is anxious toil. Not the easy yoke that Jesus talks about. But that easy yoke does require our participation. So let's go back to the YMCA for a minute. One of the things that happened was we were going to work with five, six, seven-year-olds, and we were doing a craft. Now, if you know me, from the time I was about five and went to my first church camp, I hate crafts. I don't like them. I'm not good at them. I cut unevenly. I fold crooked. I am the worst craft person you will ever know in your life. My hands and my mind don't work very well together. That's why I speak. So... One of the things is we were going to have turtle races. Anybody done turtle races? It's really amazing. You color your turtles. And so we, we had these crayons and these markers. And, and has anybody ever wanted to have a brown turtle or an orange turtle or a black turtle or a red turtle? What color are turtles? Green. How many green markers are in a bag with 30 kids? So we had purple turtles. And finally, there was a big long line for the green marker but there was only one per room so we had a lot of ou turtles with red we had a lot of purple and green um you know just a tiny bit of green because it started to you know poop out and i can tell you uh coloring turtles with one green marker is not a lot of fun but that's what we were doing because people didn't prepare for those kids they weren't expecting those kids and the kids were frustrated the one kid that had the green crayon, he was lights out, but the 14 kids behind him were like, come on, don't use it all. I want a green turtle too. Nope. Some just had purple turtles. Now, you could say that God has nothing against purple turtles. I don't have anything against purple turtles. It's just weird. And some people might say that there's nothing wrong with having youth group outside every Wednesday. It's just a little weird. You can do it. But it's just weird. So we ask the question, why sacrifice now? Why now? So for some of you, you're like, this is brand new to me. This seems like, you know, it's too fast or it's too big or it's too this or it's too that. Well, friends, it's time. It's actually a little past time. We know this by the things we've been tracking. We know this uh, by the work we've been doing. Uh, we've been talking about this day for about five years. We knew that when we finished this building and didn't have enough money back eight years ago um, to do the educational piece that we would have enough parking ultimately, and we do, and we would have enough sanctuary space, and we do. Those things are tracking very well for us. What's not tracking well is our children's numbers uh, and our youth numbers. Our children are actually tracking backwards these days because we hit the height of that about 18 months ago because we don't have compelling 
singular space for them to use. And so um, how we know it's time is your administrative council developed a building committee about two years ago. They did their work for more than a year. They presented that work a year ago, and the church said, oh, we're not sure we're ready to do that. Will you go back and work on that and, and do some other things? And we listened to those voices, and your building committee, I'm so grateful for Morgan Jones and everybody on that committee. They have worked their hearts out thousands and thousands of hours. They came back, and they said, we really believe this is what God's calling us to do, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is how it will pay for itself over time. And it was an amazing plan. And finance said, yes, we believe in that plan. And then finance took it from the building committee to administrative council. And ad council said, yes, we think it's time. And we're going to invest the money it is to get to this day. And so all those things have happened over about five years. For some of you, this is the first you've heard of it. But I want you to know that it's certainly not the first time that many, many, many people have given their hours and lives to. They've been working on this for years. You just need to know that. And some people are like, like didn't, we just, didn't we just do a building campaign? It feels like we just did one. And, and as somebody who, this is our fourth, Chantel and I, um, yes, it feels like that. It does. Uh, except that, uh, for many of you, you don't know that our last building campaign was eight years ago. We did this day, almost on the exact same day, in 2010. And that yielded $1.1 million, which was enough to pay off the other building and to start this building. It has been amazing. And the growth has been fairly dramatic since then. So in 2010, for example, we had 407 people that raised that $1.1 million. Today, in 2018, we have more than 600. That was the close of 2017. That was our average worship attendance. So 50% growth. Same facilities. Now, you would, uh, Jeff and I have run some numbers, and we think by 2020, in just about two years, we'll be over 800 because the sanctuary will work with that. The good work that Andy's doing with more than 100 people now at one church, this, this is doable. Now, you may, you may say, well, well, that seems like too much. Um, you know, that, that makes us nervous about debt load and those sorts of things. We would want you to know that in 2010, our expenditures were just at a million dollars. This year, uh, Jeff believes that we're going to be uh, right at one eight. We're pushing $2 million with the exact same debt limit. You see how we're actually becoming more fiscally conservative as we go? Our budget's growing, but we're keeping uh, at the same levels. And we really do believe by 2020 we'll be uh, just over $2 million each and every year um, in serving community missions and doing those sorts of things. It's a really beautiful thing that the Lord has been doing uh, with us. Our adult membership is growing. Uh, In 2010, we had 338 members uh, that did this work. Uh, Today, we have 644 members. Uh, These are adult members, people who uh, are over 12 years of age. They are confirmed. They're card-carrying members, professing members of Acts 2. And we think that that'll be about 750 in about two more years. Now, here's where it gets interesting. When you get to the youth group, we had about 40 kids. Uh, I went back and I looked at our documentation and the reports that we wrote back in 2010. And we were really excited because on this this one Wednesday and Sunday, we had 41 kids. Jared tells me, our current youth director, that, that today we normally run about 80. We've doubled it. We have 100% growth in the youth department, even though this whole year we've been walking over to the school to get that done because we don't have a single singular space large enough except for the sanctuary or the chapel to hold them. And so you might ask, well, where are we going to be in 2020? Only you and God know that. I don't know that. It's up to us. It's up to today. It's up to the next few weeks. It's up to what God will do in and through us. Well, what about children? Do you notice how this one doesn't move much? Because we had 153 kids, and these are baptized. Uh, these are kids who are on our baptized roll, but not yet over 12. Eight years later, it only moved to 210. 
because we don't have the space. It's the only area of our church's life that's not growing in the same sorts of ways. And so we know that our, our pinch point, that clog in the pipe, if you will, is around children's space primarily. We just know that. So again, in 2020, where are we going to be? It's up to us. It's our choice about what we do. Now, you, you could also say, okay, well, okay, so, so on the business side, that makes sense, sure. But, but what about for me? I don't have kids. I don't have youth, whatever. You know what Jesus says about this? And, the, and he's talking to me here. So he may not be talking to you, but he's talking to me about this. He says, Mark, what you do with your money is about your own spiritual survival. Because the truth of the matter is, over the last eight years, uh, five years in particular, since I finished our last pledge, um, I've had more money. And I, I've done some things. I, you might not want to know this about your pastor, but when I get super stressed out, uh, I've been known from time to time, to go to the mall at Quail Springs and have those guys give me a massage in front of the whole mall. And it cost me like 50 bucks. 50 bucks that I didn't have five years ago, but I have it today. And I don't want to give up my mall massage. Because I love it. And it makes me feel great. Makes me less cranky around the house, Chantel says. You see how this works? I've gotten used to this sort of pleasure in my life that's for me, and I look forward to it, and I want to do it. And Jesus says, you've got to be careful with that, Mark. You really do. Because before you know it, you're going to start living for yourself and yourself alone rather than for me and the things of the world that I have for you. Jesus actually says it really clearly in the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I want you to know, I believe Jesus is the smartest person who's ever lived and gives us the greatest teaching ever given. And he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. Where neither moth nor rust consume, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's just a truism. It's not something that we hope is true. It is true. If you're a betting person, we don't do that in our tradition, but if you were and you've got money um, on the Cowboy Steelers, you're not watching Eagles Patriots, are you? You're just not. You're interested in where your money is. That's where your heart goes. And then, in case you missed it, Jesus actually puts an exclamation point to it. He says, no one, no one can serve two masters. For we're either going to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. It's just the way it is. You cannot serve God and wealth. You can't do it. You've got to choose. You just have to choose. That's true for all of us. And, and friends, this, this is true um, for everyone on the planet. You've got to choose to serve somebody. Now, the other reason why we sacrifice now is to be transformed into the image of God. When we give, when we create, when we build, we actually become like God. That's who God is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and God spoke, and the world came into being. You see, love, who God is, builds, and lust consumes. Say that with me. Love builds, lust consumes. That's just, that's just the truth of life. And we have a choice to make, whether we're going to be people of love or people of lust. People who live for others and for the, and for the betterment of the world, for the transformation of the world, or simply for ourselves. And, and, and in case we've forgotten, the scripture says this about who God is. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. If you want to be like God, then you give. That's what God does. He creates and he gives. And he doesn't give his leftovers. He gives his best. God so loved the world that he gave what? His only son. And it's not just that he did it, it's so that. It's so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life, life today. And the final reason uh, for me um, that this is so important to me um, is for Emma. For Emma. Now, you don't know Emma, 
And that's not a real name. She was one of the kids at the Y. Um, again, we're back, we're back at the Y. And um, after the coloring fiasco of the turtles, you were then to take a balloon. Do you all have balloons? Yeah. I think they're latex, so if you're allergic, don't do this. Um, but I, every child was supposed to have a balloon. And you were going to put the balloon in underneath the little turtle. And then we're going to have turtle races. You blow it up, and then you let them go. And, you know, whatever... Turtle wins, wins. This was a three-hour craft. Not my cup of tea. So, uh, I came across one little girl in particular. Uh, we'll call her Emma. Uh, she was off page, tiny, skinny, uh, with lungs about the size of the balloon. Um, she looked a lot like this. Obviously, that's a model pic, but that's, that's how I remember her. And I was so struck by Emma, because as I watched her, she would do this. And the veins would pop out of her head. I thought, this girl's going to stroke out. Our insurance doesn't cover this. This is very dangerous. And all these kids were kind of doing it. And and over time, I would look, and, and their balloons were spitty. And gross and just slobbery all over it. And they were like, will you help me, Pastor Foster? And I looked at Joetta, and Joetta, being an educator for 30 years, was like, like, it is flu season? Like, no. And so, you know, I started doing this number, right? That's what you do for kids. You're going to help them. I'm going to help them fish. I'm going to teach them to fish, right? I'm not doing it for them. I'm, I'm going to stretch it. I'm going to do these things. Right? And then I give it back to her. And then you know I'd see, of course. <laughs> Emma. Dallas Willard, um, the late Dallas Willard, uh, says it like this We have an indispensable role to play in God's world. We just do. The issue is not simply what God wants, but also what we want. Regarding many things, God's will is that we should determine what will happen next. And so um, I went to the table and I looked for any non-spitty balloons and I blew one up thinking that that would do it for Emma and I gave it to Emma. You see, our will is the most important thing on the planet. You may not know that. Many people, scientists in particular, will, will argue that matter is the most important thing. It is not. Matter is not ultimate. Your energy, your will, your decision is ultimate as it is God's. I want you to think about this tree. This is my neighbor's tree. I love this tree. Right? But it is up to the will of the people around that tree of what happens next. That tree can be left alone and, and show its beauty every spring and its shade through the summer and its glory in the fall and be left alone. Or it can be turned into wood for a home or a church house, um, any sorts of things. Or I can simply burn it and consume it for my own enjoyment, for no one else to see again. It's my choice. See, that matter doesn't matter. What matters is what's in me, what's in you. That's what's ultimate. You get to choose what happens to the tree because we have dominion. That's how God's made us. That's how we're like God. Does it make sense? You actually have great power that you don't know you have for the very changing of the world. And there come moments like today, like Pentecost, that change the world forever. The world is like this one day and it's like this the next. One of the great stories about this uh, in aviation uh, is October 14th, 1947. 
Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier on this day. And at the moment of truth, he says, there are either reasons or results. He's absolutely true. Um, this is from the right stuff. Uh, there he goes. He, he's the first person to break the sound barrier. And, and as he gets higher and higher and faster and faster, um, the instruments start to actually break. Um, and he doesn't know if he's going to survive. The people on the ground don't know if he's going to survive. And at that moment where you actually have that sonic boom where he goes faster than the very speed of sound, the people on the ground think he has died. That the, that the plane itself has disintegrated, the rocket, however you want to describe what that is. And in that moment, right before the breakthrough, there is shaking and there is excitement. Not panic, but concern, thoughtfulness, and he does it. And from that day, everything in aviation has changed in terms of what's possible. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That the world was one way before God gave the Spirit to the world, and now it's another way. And the question is, will we do anything with that. So how do we do it? Jesus says this. This is our master's own words. He says, you will receive power. Not maybe, not some of you. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to all the ends of the earth. That's who we are now. Jesus says, you will receive what? Power from the Holy Spirit. Energy, guidance, wisdom, understanding. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say you can choose to be or not to be. He says, you are. What we do with our life, what we do with our resources, who we really are is a witness to the world. Period. Plain and simple. And the only thing better than having Christ beside you is having Christ within you. And that's the power of Pentecost. That's what it's all about. Before Pentecost, Jesus could be with Matthew and Peter and John. But he couldn't simultaneously be with Bartholomew or Paul or someone else. He was limited in his personhood because he was fully human. When the Holy Spirit comes, now God can be with every person on the planet at the same time, in any location, right? So we have to choose whether we will take the very breath of God or not. So when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together, all together. Not doing their own thing. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, breath, ruach. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues fall on each of them. And it's, the Holy Spirit began to speak another language. He gave them the ability. So what happens is the Spirit unified and gave understanding. Gave understanding. And I came to understand, the three of us did, that if Emma was ever to have her balloon blown up, it wasn't going to be by her. You see, Jesus, God raised up. That's what Peter says in his sermon in Acts 2, where we take our name. He says, all of us are witnesses. He says, so, this is how you do it. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that is available for you today. The promise is for you, for your children, and for who? Everyone. For everyone. That's what this is about, God blessing everyone. The promise is for you, your children, and for, say it with me, everyone. And when this started to happen, do you know what people did? They devoted themselves. That's what we have in all our buildings, that we devote ourselves here to the things of God. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayers. And so our action steps, friends, are these. First and foremost, don't miss this. 
You can't do it without this. We invite the Holy Spirit to guide and empower you today in all the areas of your life. This is just one of those things. Just one of those things. And then, with the Holy Spirit guiding us, we use the power that God gives us to make the invisible visible. Right? You make the invisible visible. The God dreams a reality. Those of you who've been around here uh, for a long time have seen this happen again and again. And we can do it again. For the thousands of students that drive by our church every day and wonder if there's a place for their kids. Let's take a look. I'm Aaron. And I'm Brian. I'm Lauren. I'm Jordan. And we are the Heathcock family. Well, we have stayed at Acts 2 all this time because basically after the first time that we visited Acts 2, we felt like we were at home. And we quickly became plugged in with other families and young families with kids our age and we've just basically our families have grown up together and so we really we loved the opportunities to do disciple and and the opportunities for kids and then we've just continued to grow and now it's a part of our family we couldn't imagine going anywhere else well what i see for the future is is i hope it continues uh, its tradition of being a traditional church and then still Um, striving to be relevant and be contemporary because that was one of the first things that kind of drew us here was that nice balance so I would hope that moving forward we would continue to keep the traditions there uh, but then always try and be relevant with what's new and what's changing. As we continue to grow and these kiddos are growing I really hope that we can make a space that'll really have them feel welcome and have a place to enjoy each other and continue with their journey in faith. What I hope for Acts 2 is that we can have a space where we can play and still learn and grow our faith with the Lord and just have a place where we can be indoors and enjoy each other's company and have a good time. That doesn't seem like too much to me. I'd like to be indoors, right? (laughs) That's just the mouth of children. You know, I'd like to be indoors. So finally, friends, um, I want to invite you to use your breath, the power that God's given you, your intention, your will, your heart, to do something for someone who cannot do it without you. And if I'm honest, I thought about all the diseases I would catch from Emma, all the gross things that was going to happen to me when I took her balloon, wiped it. I gave it to her. And she lit up like a thousand suns. She'd been struggling with this stupid thing for an hour and a half before my will finally broke. And I did something for her that she simply could not do for herself. And she just glowed. She just glowed. And before you think this is a perfect story, it wasn't five minutes before it went... And she went, and I said, not on your life. <laughs> no, no, no. This is, my, this is the thing I'll do for you. And you know, having blown it up for her later, she could do it on her own. But it took someone to share their breath first. I'm asking you, will you do that for someone else today?